0: He serves as Vice President and Secretary of the National Association of Alternative Benefit Consultants, a nonprofit agents organization that promotes alternative funding arrangements within the health insurance industry. Mr. McKnight has a life, accident, and health and variable annuities license, a Series 6 and 63 securities license, and is an investment advisor representative. Please welcome Mr. McKnight. Good morning. This is a a tough topic for me to discuss with this group. You guys are all doctors, and typically I talk to people who are agents and brokers. And and the reason why I find it a little bit difficult is because there's lots of facts and figures and a lot of garbage that, that we have to know when we sit down with clients that, to be very honest, I don't think that you care about. I think you guys are more interested in the concepts and how it can help you with your practice and I'm going to try and insert those uh, items that that can help you within your practice Um, if you want facts and figures I've brought a book little booklet I should say from the Department of Treasury it's specifically on health savings accounts this will give you all of the information on deductibles and, you know, all the the technical aspects of of HSAs. Again, I I just throw that out. If I don't have enough today, give me your card, and I can email you this as well. The other thing that you may find valuable is many of you may be able to use this in your practice with your employees. Um, You also may want to have uh... the brochure that i just threw down here in your office you're gonna have patients who may ask questions it's not threatening there's nothing on it about a broker an agent an insurance company if that's what you want um, and at least it gets the word out about health savings accounts they are exploding in popularity um, and and for obvious reasons and we're gonna go through that today as well i also don't mind if you raise your hand and have a question i'll finish my thought and let you ask a question. Uh, I think it flows a little bit better when we do it that way. So let's get started. Consumer driven healthcare, what is it? Basically, it's putting the employee or patient um, back in the decision making process, it's not relying on solely a third party uh, who's going to make these decisions. Right now, your patient doesn't care. They're insured by that HMO or whatever type of coverage they have. And basically uh, they're gonna go to whatever facility, they don't care what it costs. It's also about the employee or patient knowing the costs. It's making the consumers smart. And this helps the doctor-patient relationship because your employee, excuse me, your patients are going to be inclined to ask more questions. There's going to be more interplay between you and the patient. The average person spends ten times the amount of time buying a car than making the decision on which facility to use for his or her MRI. It's, it's shocking. And this is the kind of stuff that the HSA concept tries to stop because they are going to have a vested interest in their money. And I'm going to get into the concept of how it works. Uh, the consumer, the patient, now starts to care a little bit. Ask a patient what it costs to go to the doctor. And overwhelmingly, they are all going to say what? What's my copay? $10? $15? It's ridiculous. It doesn't cost that to go to a doctor. We all know that. Your patients will know that when they're on an HSA as well. People neither care nor want to care about the cost of medical care because a third party is paying the bill. This is one of the main thrusts, main tenets that you need to understand within the HSA concept, and it changes the the habits of consumers. Another fact is that third party spending is going to cause inflationary pressures on medicine, which are going to cause Prices to rise, and the end-all is going to increase the cost of insurance. I'm not naive. I understand very, very clearly how and why medical insurance and related costs are going up, but we have to discuss a number of them, namely Rx, drugs. They're going through the roof. Um, I do a lot of my practice in New York. And a family drug card right now is rapidly approaching $200 a month just for the drug card. I mean, it's just absolutely alarming. Why is this? Well, we all know. Turn on the television set. You see advertisements for Viagra and Cialis and, you know, these recreational drugs. Um, You also open up the magazine, and all you see, page after page, of advertisements for the drugs. I'm not saying that they shouldn't advertise, but I'm also pointing out that this has to be paid for. And that's part of the rapid increase. The research and development, we can get into a lot of these issues. That's not my main intent today. It's just to try and point to some of these causes. We, we touched on it today. A, couple, a number of people have touched on it. Malpractice insurance and the lawsuits. Medicare and the cost shifting. Here's a huge one, the state and federal mandates. People have no idea how much this is driving up the costs. Again, a lot of my practice is in New York. I've got clients in California, Florida, Pennsylvania. I I could go on with all the states. And it's very, very obvious that certain states are significantly less hostile um, with their mandates. There's a one-to-one correlation. You start throwing on lots of state mandates... What happens to the rates? Like you have no idea. Uh, somebody put out a, a sheet that showed a uh, state and its given number of mandates, and I looked at it, and then I looked at the rates. One-to-one correlation. Uh, there's other issues um, like guaranteed issue, uh, composite rating. These are all things that are just driving the rates uh, through the roof. First-dollar coverage without deductibles. Just another uh, cost increaser. Let's go back to fact two, though. Patients are not caring about the costs. Why? It's exactly right. They don't care. I'm going to go around to this facility, get it done. I don't care what it costs. They are starting to feel the pain, though, because when they get next year's premium increase, and if they have to pay for their insurance individually uh, or their employer is paying for it, um, more and more of these costs are getting passed on to the employees. Um, I could go back probably just seven years. It used to be that if you worked for a company that provided medical insurance, pretty much your family was going to be included in that coverage. And then it evolved to, well, we can't afford to cover the premium um, <clears throat> for your whole family. We'll cover you and your spouse. And if you've got kids in the family, right, you've got to pick up the difference. And now it's evolving to, well, um, we'll cover you. You want to cover your own family. The, the problem with this now is that as the employee has to bear more and more of those costs, then we start to get into Hillary care. Has anybody really read and looked at what her prior proposal did? If you really dig into it, you would be shocked to see some of the stuff that was in there. Money was earmarked. To, to pay medical schools, to decrease the amount of students they would take in. Money was earmarked to have hospitals shut down. I mean, I could go on and on and on with some of the stuff that was in this, this proposal. It, it would make you absolutely sick. The bottom line is, we all know, it was healthcare rationing. It was less doctors, fewer facilities, longer waits, lower quality of care. There are other options. Now, I'm not going to tell you that this is the panacea, but what I will tell you is that we're already starting to see the trends. Uh, California has had not health savings accounts, but they had, um, help me out here, the, the one prior to that. Thank you, HST, uh, the uh, MSAs. Um, and I would be safe in saying it's probably been 12 years in that range, 11 years. Um, go ahead and look at the rates on an HSA today relative to an HMO in that state. And I'll use my state as an example as well. Uh, New York, we now have, if you don't have employer-sponsored health insurance, and I'm going to hear the gaffes in, a, in about five seconds, the rates now for a single individual in my state are about $800 to $1,000 a month for one person to be covered. You want to insure your family? It's now $2,000 a month if your employer doesn't sponsor it. Even if your employer does sponsor it, it's pretty hard to get it under a grand, $1,200 in that range. So in comparison and contrast, an HSA rate right now in New York is about $275 with a drug card for an individual and about 600 and change for a family. So we have lower costs for health care, greater flexibility, rate control is another issue that nobody sees. The rate increases that we've seen, both in New York and California, and remember, my lovely state, we have all those mandates, we have composite rating, guarantee issue, all the things that are just killing that state. The rate increases for HSAs have only hovered in around the 4 to 6% rate. And I ask you, how many of you would like to get a 4% rate increase each and every year for your health insurance? I know I would, and I do. Uh, greater deductibility, greater coverage, less carrier involvement, and the doctors will get paid quicker. This is something you really need to know. In most cases with an HSA, these people have a debit card, you swipe it, comes out of their account, goes to your account, and you're paid. You don't spend six months, nine months chasing down the HMO to get paid. Big, big difference. Okay, impossible, right? How many of you right now are saying, I'm just blown away by some of the stuff this guy is saying? This is impossible. I've never heard of this. Where did it come from? I've been practicing for 30 years. Where it came from is Quaker Oats, Rand Corporation, General Mills. They've been doing this for decades. Uh, Just about two years ago, the IRS um, did one of these, and they gave us the sanction to allow us to continue to do this. So this is not like we're playing the game for a while that these companies were, which was risky because the IRS could come in and disallow a lot of what they were doing. What are consumer-driven health plans? There's two parts. There's health savings accounts, and I'm going to educate you a little bit on health reimbursement accounts. And I know I'm going to have to talk quickly. I'm trying to give you the conceptual ideas so that you have a fundamental understanding of, of how these work. An HSA, what is it? It is a high-deductible health plan linked with a savings account. It is really that simple. Conceptually, if you want to understand it even more, you're spending $600 a month or $500 a month for an HMO. That $500 goes to an insurance company, and it's gone. What we're talking about doing here is taking your premium down to $200 a month, taking the $300, putting it into a tax-deductible account, and what you would have sent off to an insurance company in its entirety, a large portion of it goes in an account for you, and you get to keep it. Advantages of HSAs. Security, affordability, savings control, portability, and rate control. And I'm going to discuss each one of these. Security. They are referred to as high-deductible plans when, in fact, many health policies out there have much higher exposure uh... to the insureds because of what's been happening with the rate increases you're finding you will find that a lot of your people already have a five hundred or a thousand dollar deductible and they have eighty twenty coinsurance on the next ten or fifteen thousand dollars in a lot of instances they move over to a health savings account and they have no more or they actually have less exposure you're also going to hear i won't name names in the government who are going to tell you that these are strictly for the rich it's it couldn't be farther from the truth I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, can't you just give me something that my premiums are $150 or $200 a month so I know that if the major thing happens, I can cover the other stuff. Truck drivers love these things. Why? You know, they're on a limited amount of income and don't want to spend a lot of money. And you always need to understand that these plans protect against the catastrophic they're just like regular medical insurance that once you hit the cap of a thousand two thousand or three thousand there's various deductibles that you can have Again, this will outline it you're fully insured affordability we've already touched on this premiums of them tend to be one-half to one-third of your standard policies Savings. Not only are the premiums less, but you create an asset by placing it into a savings account. Um, The owner of the account can use this for future medical and retirement. So it's kind of like a 401k that has a trap door on it that if you need to pay medical bills, you can. You can invest it in practically anything. Control. The insured has complete, or the patient has complete control. They make the decision on how much money to put in the account, subject to IRS caps, how to save for future expenses or pay current medical bills, where the account is established, how to invest. I touched on that. It can go into a bank account, mutual funds, stocks, ETFs. What do we pay for? Um, You can have dental, vision, chiropractic, The IRS puts out publication 502. This is pretty much the Bible on medical and dental expenses. There's also publication 969 if you want to look at this later on, and you can download this off the IRS, and it gets into what you can and cannot do. It is so liberal you would not believe it, the stuff that you can pay for through an HSA. If you don't use the money, it rolls to the next year, and so on and so on, At age 65, if you want to take it for retirement, you can. If at age 65 you want to continue to use it to pay your medical bills, you can do that as well. Portability. Savings account can be moved to any qualified custodian. Whether you change jobs, become unemployed, move to another state, it does not affect it. Tax savings. This is just another little sweetener that's in there. The account is 100% tax deductible, 100% tax deferred, and hundred percent tax-free if it's used for medical expenses. And this makes medical expenses fully deductible prior to seven and a half percent of AGI. Big, big difference. I touched on it. I'll touch on it again. Rate control. The trends are showing that the HSA rates could change, first person to admit it, but right now, um, the the, uh, premium increases have been a third of the standard plans. The national rate increase probably running around 13% um, and uh, HSAs have been in about the 4% range. What are the disadvantages of HSAs? We need to touch on those to be fair. There's a funding limit that you can put into the account. It's only $2,850 if you're an individual or $5650 for a family or a couple of two. Um, you cannot have any other coverage that provides duplication of coverage. And here's the biggest disadvantage, but I don't think it's an advantage. It makes people smart. You need to watch the bills. When the bill comes in, you have to match them up. You know? Look at an EOB. What's the doctor charging? What's the negotiated rate? And that's basically what has to end up being paid. The other disadvantage, they will say, is the high deductible. Um, you know, they have a deductible range of anywhere between 1000 and max out-of-pocket at eleven grand. I mean, I can go on and on and bore you with those, those numbers, but the reality of it is that most people are having a lot of this exposure built into their plans right now already because employers have had to cut the costs. Let's get into part two of consumer-driven health plans, HRAs. There's two components, the health savings account, that's an employee-owned account, and an HRA. That's an employer account. And what you can end up doing is layering these as an employer. I only throw this out to you because some of you may want to do this within your practice. What exactly is an HRA? It is a health reimbursement account that an employer funds for the benefit of an employee to pay medical expenses. You can have it for medical, dental, chiro, RX, Vision, a combo of these, single purpose, standalone purpose. Um, they're extremely flexible. Very often, what we will end up doing is we will integrate this type of a, a, an arrangement with the health savings account so that we have different gaps or buckets of exposure. And in some instances, what will end up happening is the employer will say, after you've exhausted your health savings account, I will cover it any and all expenses, or I'll cover the next $500 or whatever it is. And it's a way to, again, bring rate control, uh, control medical costs, make the consumers smart, and we're, we're shifting it away from a party, the third party, who just pays the bill, and the involved party, the insured, doesn't care what it costs. Now he does. He's got a vested interest in it. What is the benefit to the employer and the employee? The employer gets a deduction for the reimbursement, and the employee is not taxed, even on the HRA. Why would I want to bother? Um, I hear this occasionally, uh, substantial savings on premium dollars. You actively engage the employee on the costs and the decisions, premium rate control, and again, the doctors get paid quicker. I'm doing very, very well on time, so I'm going to give you guys a case example so you understand how something was structured. Um, This was an actual case in New York. Um, The premiums that they were paying were $575 for the individual and $1670 for the family. There were four individuals, seven families. So the total premiums per month for this firm uh, was approximately $14,000. We came in structured a new premium with an HSA and they went from five seventy five to two hundred forty five um per month on the individual and went from sixteen seventy to six hundred and forty five dollars on the family. So doing the numbers, they went from fourteen thousand to approximately fifty five hundred dollars. Monthly savings was eight thousand five hundred dollars. So there was a guaranteed premium savings. When you take the $8,500, which is the savings, multiplying times 12, we saved this firm $102,000 just on a, on a pure number basis. Then we fully funded the HRA. And he basically put in $2,850 uh, for the individual and $5,650 for the family. I don't recommend it, but what this, this firm did was they covered... 100% of the cost, okay, it kind of violates what we want to do with HSAs but HRAs, but the guy said to me, he says, I am saving so much money on this, I w- wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that I'm sticking my employees with a 500 or or $1,000 deductible. That's what he told me. So we basically structured it this way, and he now had a guaranteed savings of $51,000 because he was covering those costs. That's assuming we had 100% utilization. That's assuming that everybody used 100% of their deductible, which is not going to happen. The reality of it is, is that we have 50% utilization, so the group will probably save right around $70,000. And these are, this is a real-world example, and it happens all the time. Rate control. Again, I want to pound that in, that the 4 to 6% rate increase is a heck of a lot better than the 13 to 15%. And you can elect to increase the deductible, thus wiping out any rate increase or possibly decreasing the rates. If you recall in the prior slide, we talked about how they had a $2,850 deductible and a $5,700 deductible for the family. Well, we could come back the next year and drive that up. That's going to decrease the premiums, and we keep going with this cycle. Just a fair comparison so you can see it. The existing plan had a $10 copay to go to the doctor, nothing to go to the hospital. Rx was 1015.25, and the HRA HSA plan, as I said, was a twenty eight fifteen, and a 56.50 de- deductible. Um, hospital was subject to the deductible. Rx is subject to the deductible. Once they satisfy the deductible, they then go on a standard 15, 35, and 50. And the employer was or is paying 100% of the premium the employees are happier no longer have a copay or have to go to uh... the doctor um, a a copay to go to the doctor there's no copay for the first twenty eight fifty uh... or fifty six fifty for the for the uh... deductibles there's no longer a copay deductible for a hospital there's little or no risk of a rate increase passed on by the employer because he's already had the savings and again i want to point out that we don't recommend structuring these because we want to have some exposure to the employees so that they have a little bit of a different attitude towards going out and just spending money willy-nilly. The employer is happier. He's got lower rates, lower or no rate increases, better coverage for less cost, and he's got happier employees. That's a little bit of a, a quick primer on consumer-driven healthcare. One of the other things, One of the other things that I really welcome you guys to do is this is a book called What is Real? What really ails the U.S. healthcare system? Facts, not fiction. It's written by Greg uh, Detillo and Dave Racer. I don't make anything off this. Um, the the really nice thing about this book is it cuts out all the junk that you're hearing on television about how our healthcare is so horrible and that the infant mortality rates are greater in here in the United States than any place else. And I can go on and on and on. This book nails it on the head, he provides where he's getting the source, the Ministry of Health from Canada or you know the Health Education and Welfare Department, great book to, to have a rebuttal so that when people start talking to you and saying our healthcare stinks, you can say no, it doesn't, and the facts and figures that you're hearing are a bunch of bunk.